Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode number 32, an interview with Jenny Gaines. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do, and you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home, but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. I have a treat for you guys today. I was able to have a wonderful discussion with a fellow military wife and a fellow life coach and now a friend of mine named Jenny Gaines. And she shares with us some insights that she's had in her experience being a military wife and now with her new adventures in life coaching. And I just am excited to share this interview with you guys. And so without any further ado, here we go. Okay, well, let's just go ahead and get started if you're ready. Sure, I'm ready. So what I'm hoping to do today is just get to know you a little better, hear some about your experiences being a military spouse, and then also talk about your experience as a life coach and about your niche. That sounds perfect. Okay, great. Okay, so if you go ahead and just tell me a little bit about you, everyone, this is Jenny Gaines, and she's going to let us know a little bit about, about her. Hi, Jesse. I'm excited to be here on your podcast. And I have been a stay-at-home mom for 20 years now. My oldest daughter is about to turn 20. Um, Prior to that, I was um, a trained attorney. I went to law school and I had a business degree prior to that. And I just so happened to meet my husband and fall for someone who was committed to being in the Navy. And uh, that kind of changed, as you know, everything. And we moved to Virginia from Texas almost immediately. So I became a mom and um, someone with no one really in my support group, no no resources really, um, right before, about two days before he was deployed. You, you gave birth to your oldest two days before he deployed? Yes. Well, he wasn't actually deployed, but two days before he had to report to yes. his first. Um, he was actually wow. at a Navy hospital in Virginia. And um, wow. luckily, my daughter was born right before he had to start work, and I didn't see him very much. But he wasn't quite like all the way gone out of town yet. Yeah. Um, I decided I'm going to not work. I'm going to just try to do this full time. And I did and up until very recently when I became a life coach and I've just started my, my own, own business. But Wonderful. In the military for, we were in Virginia for 13 years, um, give or take a year or two of training here and there. So were you, you were in the Navy? He was in the Navy? He was in the Navy. In yes. Virginia for 13 years. Virginia, okay. uh-huh. And then is that where you guys still are? Or you said you moved? We moved to Texas, to Texas. because my family's in Texas and we wanted to get back back close to family as soon yeah, as we could. Yeah. And you had mentioned that you had no one in your support group. Do you mean like no one in your family would like understood what military life was like? Is that kind of what you're referring to? I guess I just meant that I went from having my family and my job and my people, my friends, and suddenly moving and being this new identity of being not only a mom, but also a military wife. Right. Um, so kind of I had been a military wife. Yeah. I was a military wife while he was in training. But it didn't really actually start until after he finished school. So um, it was just a lot of sudden change and and it was a learning experience. For sure. Okay, Jen. 
Jenny, so the next thing I want to ask you about is uh, about some of the experiences that you had when your husband was away for his different deployments. Was he deployed multiple times or? Yes, he was deployed multiple times, possibly not as much as a lot of military service members are because he is a physician in the Navy. So he was sent on probably a little bit shorter deployments and not as frequent, but he did go to Iraq and Afghanistan, Cuba. Um, multiple places, multiple times. Yeah. Okay. And uh, my husband has a similar experience where we've been in uh, 14 years and he's been just on two full deployments um, where a lot of his um, friends and companions have just deployed more frequently, but different jobs just require different things. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. And really a deployment is a deployment, whether it's three months or eight months or, or, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan. So do you have any, um, you know, takeaways from deployments from when he was gone, kind of things that you learned about yourself over those periods of time and how I'm sure at the beginning it was rougher and it got better over time as you got more experienced, things like that? Yes, definitely. I I did do some thinking about this and I do have some takeaways from what I learned. I, I definitely went into it not having any experience with the military at all. I I was pretty green as far as what it, what even does it mean to be a military spouse. But I soon learned it means you are very independent and you got to step up whether you want to or not. And I think it's all in your decision to do that um, along with just staying connected to your spouse. So I think I probably have like five or six takeaways, but one would be to just expect that it's not going to be easy. Um, It's the same kind of concept that we've learned as coaches, the 50-50, like about half of the time, it's not going to be so great. And half the time it is going to be great. Mm -hmm. And when deployment hits, I think we all kind of have this idea, oh, we'll just make sure that everything goes smoothly. Even though everyone tells you, all the military resources tell you, just expect to get in a fight right before he leaves. Expect when he gets back that you're going to be in a fight. Expect to have conflict when he's gone. Expect it to be really hard. And that, I guess, can be helpful. But at the same time, I think looking at it, what I learned was just let that be okay when that happens. You can try so hard to control it, but you're having your emotions. He's having his emotions. And it's really about when something does happen and you both maybe lose it a little bit and it didn't go as smoothly as you wanted it to right before he leaves to just let that go and just just start over let it just let it be what it was and don't try to over control each other and just be real with each other I think that goes a long way to just kind of be forgiving if yeah so just knowing that nothing has gone wrong when that happens this is how it's supposed to happen and you're okay. It does not need to mean anything about your relationship. It doesn't need to mean that you're not a good military wife or that you can't handle it or that you weren't meant to be together. It really doesn't mean any of those things. And for the younger military spouses who are going through this, maybe for the first, second, third time, that can be really hard because that's your memory that you have when he's gone. And you want to just let that, let that just go out. Um, and decide how you want to feel about your relationship and your husband while he's gone doesn't have to be the last little interaction that you had. Yeah, it's a really powerful lesson to learn earlier on. And another thing I liked that you said was kind of acknowledging that in the beginning, you were green. In the beginning, you didn't have experience to draw from. And I think just owning that newness and like, I have to start, you know, from this place of really a lack of awareness. And and, and again, not thinking that anything's gone wrong. It's just, this is where I start. This is how I get experiences by us jumping into our first deployment and yes. making mistakes and learning from them. It's very 
similar to things that have come up that like having your own business. You really do have to kind of feel your way around in the dark at first. Yes. And it's basically the same thing when you're new at deployment. You're going to not really know what to expect and you're going to have things happen that you feel like maybe you failed at, maybe you could have done better. And that's okay. It's part of the learning experience. And when you look back on everything that you go through at the end, you will be so proud of yourself yeah. and you, you will have overcome so much. And um, even, even at the, at the worst moments, I mean, it's really hard to think of that when you're, when you're struggling, like it seems like everything always went wrong when he was gone, the dryer goes out or, mm-hmm. you know, you get a bill that you weren't expecting, or one of the kids gets really sick and you have to take them to the emergency room or just anything, or you need to be in two places at once and you don't have your backup person to go pick one of the kids up. Or, you know, some, some women go through having their own babies while their husbands are, are deployed. And I didn't do that, but I had him leave and not be around much during like mm-hmm. the really early stages of having babies. And, um, and you just learn from it and not, nothing's ever gone wrong unless you just decide that it has. And I think that I did not know that back then. Um, conscious I hadn't learned that as um, a concept, but I did kind of appreciate that. We learned that as coaches, um, Mm -hmm. but I sort of had a sense of, you know, this is okay. This is... (laughs) This is just the messy part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think just believing in yourself and trusting, that's another takeaway that I learned is I just had to learn to trust myself. I had to trust myself to take care of things when my husband was gone. I had to trust myself to be there for the kids. I had to trust myself to still be a good wife, even though I wasn't with my husband. And yeah. Um, just giving yourself some grace and not being too hard on yourself and just knowing it's not going to be always pretty, um, but you'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that I like what you said about um, kind of giving yourself that gift of being proud of your efforts. Like at the end, you, you, it's available to you to kind of be hard on yourself and harsh on the way you handle certain things or to just be really proud of like, I took a really hard scenario and I handled it some days amazingly, some days poorly. And I'm just really proud of what I, what I did. Yes, exactly. And along those same lines to also be proud of your spouse instead of mad, mm-hmm. because you do feel like you kind of forget, okay, he's there and he's fighting for our country. He's doing something really important. You just think, I cannot believe my husband is gone. Why did he yeah. just leave? Yeah. Not believe I'm doing everything. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm paying all the bills. I have to do it all. And he's not even here helping me. I didn't sign up for this. Well, you don't didn't realize you signed up for it. You really did sign up for it if you married. If right. you, but you probably don't realize the extent of what you're signing up for and how lonely it can be. But I think for me, just being grateful that I was the one that got to be home in my house with my kids mm-hmm. and having like my environment, my support system, my people, I could do what I wanted to do every every day. Um, it, just appreciating him for what he was doing. He was, he was out there doing his job. I was home doing my job. I really always kind of looked at it as I have it easy compared to him. Mm. Um, and I know that that's not how all military spouses felt, but it kept me from being resentful. And I did have my moments where I was like, I really don't like this. But overall, for the most part, I was able to look at it as I really appreciate him being willing to do his job. And I'm really lucky that I get to be here doing my job. Yeah, that's a great place to direct your brain rather than where it can easily go to the resentment, but to just take that little effort to say, I'm going to focus on these positives, this, this proud feeling for myself, for him, 
and the big, really the big picture. That's, that's what helps me is when I, when I'm zoomed in on my daily life, I'm like, man, this is really hard. But when I pull out a little bit to the big picture of like, this will end, we're doing an important work. I'm here, you know, that all of that, that big picture can be really helpful. Very. Um, do you do any like stories or examples of this come to mind? Any of these kind of the few takeaways you've already talked about come to mind of like the, something that particularly came up for you when your husband was away? Well, one thing that I think about definitely at the time I didn't feel this, but then when I look back on it, it was actually really romantic. The mm-hmm. times he was deployed, and I have a big box of letters that mm-hmm. he wrote me went during deployment, and sometimes especially when he was in Afghanistan the first time. Um, he he really we didn't really have very reliable communication i didn't know whether he was going to be able to call me for a long time email wasn't available because they were in a very austere um, place where they really hadn't even set up camp or anything and they none of the infrastructure was there for them to have any type of internet for a while months into it we got it but at first it was just letters and even once we were able to communicate on the phone and through email, we still wrote letters and I'm so glad that we did. And I honestly think it's an opportunity if you take it to connect even more as far as communication goes as spouses, then you have time to, when they're in town with you, living the busy day-to-day life because they have time when they really need to connect and we have time when it's so awesome to have have those letters and every once in a while I will look at them and I feel so loved and so appreciated and I I tried to not always say all the bad stuff that happened I tried to keep him up to date on what was going on in the family but I also tried to be as romantic as he was being he's a lot more romantic than I am he's gifted with his words huh he is he I mean he's just very sweet that's awesome he he overlooked a lot of a lot of things what a beautiful Um, thing what a beautiful experience for you guys yeah, and it, and it makes you look back and remember, this was actually kind of cool, even though at the time it doesn't feel that cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have the letters. And so that's, that's something that I know a lot more now that I've been trained as a coach to, to kind of get ahead of things and plan for things to be the way that I want them to be. I really did not know that back then, mm-hmm. because this was starting back in 2000. Yeah. So 20 years ago, we're talking 20 years ago. His last appointment was like in 2011. So like okay. nine, nine years yeah. ago. We have letters too from some of my husband's different trainings. And it really is such a treasure because I think some of our best letters were when he was at basic training. And he's in this place where he's kind of, um, you know, desperate for connection, like we talked about, and just kind of really stripped down to just this raw, like, really, they're having a lot of time to examine their feelings and their emotions and what's really important in life. You're both kind of that perspective is there for both of you. And it's a very tender place to exchange those letters from and the written word can be so much so meaningful. Um, And so what a treasure that is. And in the moment, you know, those those letters really like sustain you through that hard part. And then they get to kind of keep on giving later on when you're like drawing on them again. So such a such a cool thing. And also it kind of captures the moment in time, like you have, you have a lot of kids, yes. you know how fast they change and grow. Oh, yes. I would have the kids write little things that um, some of them weren't old enough to write on some of his deployments, or mm-hmm. I would just take pictures or we would make little collages and 
um, I, you know, he came back home with all of that stuff that we sent him and just looking through it is also really fun because you just realize, wow, he missed out, you know, when they're gone six to nine months at a time, they miss out on a lot in a kid's yeah. life. And um, to just kind of have the little time capsule of that is pretty special too. And for any military spouses that are going through this currently, all of this is not going to sound realistic, but you will get to that point where you're looking back on it and you survive yeah. it and you have an appreciation for it. Mm, definitely. Um, do you have any other tips for kind of creating that connection between you and your husband while he's away? And also like, I like you were just saying between you and the kids, because that's another big concern for military spouses is yes. how that relationship gets affected and when they're changing so much. And, you know, so kind of yes. both of those areas. What I think is really hard when you're a young family and these stresses are, are kind of being handed to you because you don't have any control of your orders when it's happening, what exactly is happening. And at least in our experience, it was never exactly what we expected. It was always different. Right. So mm -hmm. you don't really think to, to plan ahead. But one thing that we did, Mike, I'm trying to think, I think when he went to, when he went to Iraq, I had two of my three kids. Um, and then when he went to Afghanistan, I had, all, we had all three kids, but they were young enough that we were still reading to them. And so we recorded him reading some of their favorite books. And so it wasn't until he was gone, like for a little while that I would play the video of their dad reading, reading their book. And honestly, Jesse, I think it was, it, it meant more to me probably than it did mm -hmm. to them. But it was like a way to keep him in front of them when they were developmentally changing pretty rapidly. And, and again, it's such a great keepsake to have your dad reading a story, you know, when you were really little and seeing how young he was and that you knew that he did it because he was going to be gone and he didn't really want to be gone. So it's, it's pretty awesome. That is so good. We would um, make sure to get some home videos of just kind of a few of their favorite activities. Like my, my kids love to wrestle with my husband. And so I would just take some videos of them wrestling. And so then when he was away and they were maybe having a low day I'd be like let's let's go watch your video of you know you guys wrestling and it would always cheer them up because it's just that 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 was one way they really like physically connected when he was home and when you can't get that physical connection yeah. that's really powerful yeah, yeah. and it, it does take a look a little bit of effort ahead of time which is really hard to do when you're when you're so busy but it's so worth it just a just a little bit of time spent thinking about what are the things we can do before he leaves mm. to to make it better for all of us for him and for and for you I mean he could just as easily take a recording of the kids with him to yeah. wrestling or playing or laughing or singing or whatever it is and another great memory that I have that it probably isn't possible with every every person but my daughter my oldest daughter who's a sophomore in college now she was in third grade when my husband went on his last deployment to Afghanistan and she was the oldest and so the most aware of him being gone and the things that could possibly happen and um her teacher took it upon herself, which turned out to be so amazing, not only for my daughter, but also for my husband, to have all the kids just write up cards, mm. um, thanking my husband and saying hi to him. And they, they packaged them all up for him and sent a big box, just card after card of, of the third graders, wow. you know, with their job and their words of encouragement and um, she took a picture of the whole class and it said something like thank you Dr. Gaines or something mm -hmm. something along those lines and and sent that and then my daughter got to have that picture also um, and so it was really it was a great way for her to feel supported um, yeah. 
And of course, not every teacher is going to be able to do that. But just any little thing like that goes such a long way. Yeah. And people don't always know how to support you in those moments. So sometimes I try to think like, I know people are going to say, you know, how can we help? How can we support you? So I try to think ahead and come up with really specific requests I can make of people that would be supportive to us in those times because everyone's different. Everyone's going to need support in different ways. So there's not really any blanket answer of this is how you can support a military family. But I think it's a little bit on us to make those requests not just like, oh, I'll let you know, or, you know, anything you do will help like that, that, that won't always come to fruition. But if you're able to say like, it means so much to my kids when they, you know, whatever, then you're able to give people a chance to support you because they want to, you know. That, that was another one of my takeaways was take advantage of whatever support and resources that are there for you. Don't feel like you have to do it all by yourself. And it doesn't have to be like the conventional resources. Um, I myself, since I was brand new in the area when I first became a military spouse, I felt sort of uncomfortable getting mm. into the military thing and doing all of the, the clubs and, and listening to the other wives commiserate. And I, I just, I had to kind of find my own way with that too. Yeah. And so it, it may be that you can get a lot of support depending on where you are and, and who is there and what kinds of resources are available. They have a lot of great family programs I know yeah. in the military. Um, they have opportunities for you to go and be around other people in a similar situation or those who have been in a similar situation. But you can also find friends to talk to, family. I visited my family in Texas almost every time he was deployed. I would take the kids for a couple of weeks at least. Um, or I just got myself involved in some things that were good for me so that I didn't feel like I was sitting home all day. Yeah. <laughs> about my husband being gone, you know, Um, and just, just being willing to ask for help when you need it. I think that the younger we are, the more we think I can do this on my own. I'm independent. I'll show everyone. I don't need, um, and I really think it's more a sign of strength when you can reach out and ask for help when you need it. Absolutely. Um, I think that does take some strength to do that. And so just knowing that that's great. Everyone loves to help. They just don't really know how, like you said. Yeah. I remember one thing I would do is I would have like a physical list of, you know, when I was at church or just around neighbors and they would say, please let us know if you need anything. Like I could tell that they're, they were sincerely offering. And right in that moment, I didn't need anything, but I would make like a physical list so that when I did have some last minute thing come up that I needed quick childcare or something, I would go to my list and just kind of like move through it. Or if I got sick and I really needed a dinner and nobody knew, like I needed a meal and I would just move down my list and be like, okay, well, I haven't called them yet. So, and they want to help. And here's one really, you know, specific thing I need. So that's so good. That's a great idea because you yeah. really, I mean, don't even really know what you're getting at, and to actually allow yourself use that support is is awesome I mean it's great yeah when in the moment you don't always remember who offered so that I found that was helpful too to really write it down like truly truly not just a a mental list because you know in the moment you'll be like well no one I don't have anybody you know but really you do you have a lot of people Um, so did would you say that the the kind of the love letters were the main way you stayed connected with your husband or were there other things that you guys would do to um, foster that we did also get to email each other and we got Mm. to talk depending on where he was and yes and I think the main the main thing was I tried so hard the little moments especially when the kids were little just the little things and in one day there's no way you can like just rehash the whole thing and explain Mm -hmm. everything that you went through um with the kids but I would I would try to jot down just little anecdotes um just because I knew I was going to lose track of them like 
important things always happened, whether it was a birthday or they lost a tooth or, you know, they won some kind of competition or they found some kind of good news out. Like you want to try not to forget those things. And so staying connected means kind of filling those gaps in or connecting the dots for him. And so I, I thought it was kind of fun to just think like, what should we, what should we tell daddy? Like what's something we can tell daddy about that mm-hmm. happened? And what I thought was important was not at all what the kids thought. Like they might've thought it was right. weird, like a frog outside or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we could connect that way, just little, little daily moments. And, um, and then hope I tried to get him to tell me what are some things that are, that are you're doing that we can tell the kids that aren't like going to scare them or anything, <laughs> you know, like so, any, any anecdotal, you know, cute little things. And that, that helped connect, stay connected. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think it's just mental. I mean, mm-hmm. the mental connection, like I wanted to be connected to him. And sometimes it took a while when he got back. I mean, I think it's yeah. probably like an adjustment for every single person. Um, he'll, he'll adjust in a certain way. You'll adjust in a certain way. The kids adjust in a certain way. So it takes a while for the equilibrium to get back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think again, just your expectations don't need to be that it has to be perfect all the time for it to be good. Um, and the connection is not going to always be there and that's okay. Well, and now we both have such a greater understanding of what we're capable of mentally being life coaches. But um, like I mentioned, we'd, we've had two deployments and our first one, I didn't have any of these tools and I just kind of watched the deployment happen to us and it like it was okay, but not great. And on the second one, I did have these tools and I was able to consciously create so much more for me, for the kids, um, meaning I knew my kids were picking up on my cues. So if I was spending a lot of time like worrying about uh, our connection or how it would all feel when he got home or, you know, will, our, is, is like, is our relationship suffering? I knew they were picking up on those cues for me. So if I was spending a lot of time creating thoughts like, I know that when he gets home, we'll be able to pick back up where we were. You know, I know that this, these methods that we're able to speak to with each other or FaceTime are enough, enough to create great connection. Like just working on those thoughts really created everything for me. And I know that my kids picked up on it as well. And my, my husband benefited as well. Like, so my thoughts and, and feelings and actions were able to really spread to them because I was showing up as that person for my husband and for my kids. Yes. So oh, I think it's so awesome that you got to see the before and after mm-hmm. you feel having deployments because I'm kind of looking at all of this in hindsight. And so yes. my coaching tools were not necessarily directly applied. I think I already had some of the things going in that direction, but I definitely did not have the awareness um, and the ability to consciously choose my thoughts and my emotions um, like I do now. And so that's amazing because you can just completely change your experience. So it goes from, can you believe that this is happening to me? Look at all these things that are happening to me to, I can create what I want, even in this situation. How do I want to feel about this? Right, right. If you're teaching military spouses those tools, you are giving them such a gift. I mean, that is something that they should all have, in my opinion. Yes, and I think that's one reason why I'm so excited to have these women be my specialty is because I've been able to see that stark contrast of how it went that first time and then just this last time in 2018. Just such a difference. So amazing. Yes, and your focus on resilience, I really love that because Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us just kind of think you're either resilient or you aren't resilient. And what we know from our coach training is that you can learn to be resilient. You Mm -hmm. can learn. You can practice being resilient. skill, yeah. Skill and you can decide, and you get some really good practice if you want it when your husband's deployed. 
um, and you are, everything seems to be happening and going, everything seems to be going wrong, you can get a lot of good practice being resilient. And I think it's down to the choice of when something, when I'm going through something that feels like a difficult circumstance, I, I have the choice to let it tear me down or I can decide to let it build me up. And when you consciously can let it build you up as a person um, and you know that you have that choice, that really builds resilience. And all of my experience being a military spouse really, really prepared me for everything that came after. Oh, yes. And it's going to keep coming whether you're in the military or not. It's just life and it's going to keep coming. And every time you're kind of working on that resilience muscle and just letting yourself experience it and deciding that you're going to be okay and you're going to handle it and you're going to be the person you want to be, that that just serves you always. Yes. Always. I love that you can take that, um, you know, acknowledge the challenging parts of military life and see the person that it created in you and say like, these things, these hard times created that or strengthened that resilience muscle and have prepared me for just continual life, what has come in life since then. So that leads us a little bit into your niche. Do you want to talk about what your specialty is, who your clients are and, and how that's all gone for you? Well, I was not expecting for my specialty to be what it has ended up being, but I feel like it is exactly the way that it was meant to happen. Um, I was already really interested in life coaching and I was planning on most likely being a weight loss coach um, mm. because I, as a, as a teenager and after I had all my kids, I struggled. I, I joke and say I kind of graduated from Weight Watchers five different times, but it was mm -hmm. only after the fifth time that I actually became a lifetime member because I would never maintain my weight. <laughs> When you graduated, yeah. So um, I had I had that struggle personally around the time that I was about to leave to go do my coach certification training, and at that time it was an in-person, out-of-town training. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter had lost a whole lot of weight, and we realized that she had anorexia, mm. and it was shocking, um, scary, and I even thought about not doing the certification because we were trying to figure out what do we do? How do we get her treatment? What is, what is going on? How did this happen? Just everything reeling. Um, I went ahead and went and I decided that, and after I had been a parent of someone with anorexia for a couple of months that I realized this is one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through. And I was not able to really find the support that I needed. Mm. And I basically just kept making mistake after mistake after mistake, figuring out what to do. And I honestly believe that the tools that I learned as a life coach basically saved our family. I know that sounds so dramatic, but I honestly don't know what how I would have managed this, how I would have handled it, how our family would have handled it. And I honestly also don't know if my daughter would be okay today, if not for what I learned. And um, and I have to say that past experience of being a military spouse and going through some tough, scary stuff did serve me um, as far as being able to to move through this and to know that we'll we'll be okay. Um, and so I decided I really want to help other moms and dads who are parents of anorexic teenagers. I focus on teenagers um, because even when they want to help, even when they're really confident parents, even when they have the ability to go out and get the best treatment, there's still a lot that the parents have to shoulder because it's just about the basic day-to-day -day function of eating. And so most of that falls yes. on the mom. 
mom. Most of that fell on me. And it's it's just something there's such a huge learning curve with it. And it plays with your it plays with your mind a lot. There's a lot of negativity in the media about it. Mm. And the ability for me to choose how I wanted to show up as a mom, even when even when it was something that was very unknown and scary and negative. Um, that ability to do that and to truly step back and be aware that I can I can decide to still be the same compassionate, loving, confident mom. It's going to take some work because I'm not feeling it. I'm going to have to consciously work on that. Yeah. But the ability to believe that I could help her um, no matter what and that I wasn't going to give myself another option. I wasn't going to buy into all of the gloom and doom stuff that's out there. Um, I am so grateful that I had those tools and I know that most parents don't. And so that's why I I'm, gave a long story there, but that's why I decided I really want to help other parents of anorexic teens. Mm. And it, it's very rewarding to be able to do that. What a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Jenny. It's interesting that you said that it was like the hardest thing you've ever had ever been through because at, up till that point, probably the military life and your husband's deployments was definitely the hardest thing you'd ever been to. But like yeah. you said, those experiences showed you, you can do hard things, that resilience muscle, right? And so then yeah. when you hit this new hard, you weren't just, um, you were just a little bit more prepared. And then the life coach tools took you a lot of the rest of the way. Another thing I really liked that you mentioned was that I'm sure working with this kind of circumstance or even, you know, a lot of different kinds of circumstances, there's often a big roller coaster because we're basing the success of our results on like what other people are doing if we don't know to not do that. But I love that you mentioned that like I could show up and decide the mom I wanted to be and that the success of that desired result was not indicative on like if your daughter was responding to your efforts or it was based on that you had decided ahead of time, here's how I want to show up. And then when you show up that way, that's the success. Even if the people around you are, you know, doing whatever they want to do as people are allowed and supposed to do. So that is such a powerful place to come from. And I'm really glad that you had those tools. I can imagine that would have been incredibly challenging. And that, I'm really glad you emphasized that point. That that made results, but my results. Yeah. Like, what do I have control over? And ultimately, I did not have control over the anorexia. I did not have control over my daughter. Um, but I definitely could choose to stay as connected to her as possible to, to not let it turn me against people, but turn toward them. And just being able to consciously do that when before I would have probably given up. Mm -hmm. It was really clear for me to see in such a such a, an extreme circumstance that if I can do that in this circumstance, I can do that in my daily life and anyone can do it. And most of us just don't have the tools. Mm. Regardless of the, what people we're, we're helping in our niches, it's so beneficial for all of us to know that we have these options at any time. We don't have to be like a victim of our circumstances. Exactly. So think think back to kind of that one, like I'm sure there's been some along the way, but kind of one of the, the lowest moments for you at the beginning of this experience with your daughter, because that's where a lot of these parents are that you're reaching out to. And like what, knowing what you know now and all the experience that you've had, like what would you say to yourself or to these parents who are in some of their lowest moments of this experience? I mean, the very generic thing that I would say is it gets better, mm -hmm. but more specifically on the, on the days, which there are a lot of them with anorexia, um, when you're thinking, I just cannot do this. I can't handle this. I can't take it anymore. That is temporary. If I could just say, you know, don't believe it when your brain tells you that you can't do it. Don't believe it when you feel like you've tried everything and nothing's working because there's 
always another action you can take. Mm -hmm. um, I'm about to publish a blog about the 12 biggest mistakes I made mm -hmm. when my daughter was in the early parts of her recovery. And I, one point that I make is I, if someone had asked me what biggest mistakes you've made as a parent up to that point, I wouldn't have had that many things. I mean, mm -hmm. I felt pretty good about my parenting. After that, I could list so many things that I did wrong because I really didn't know better. But the ability to keep messing up and to keep moving forward, just taking whatever action, any action, whether it's trying to find another doctor, trying to get a treatment team together, trying to push her to eat more, um, taking any kind of like physical activity away from her, all these things, whatever it is that you need to do, you can figure it out and it feels impossible, but don't, don't let your brain trick you into thinking that you're not up for it because you are and you're the best person for the job because the you're her mom. Mm. You're the best person for the job because you know her and you know what she needs and you can you can be that mom that she still trusts and loves even though the anorexia has made her kind of unrecognizable because it mm. it's a it's a really scary thing to see your child act in a way that you've never seen before a really sweet sweet person turns into like an angry and very um difficult mm. um almost what feels like a defiant kid but that's just the illness and being able to step back from that and say my child is still there and i'm still here and we can we can do this i think the nature of anorexia makes the parents involvement really really important um and to advocate for the parents who are trying to advocate for their teens and to just be in their corner. I totally, I completely believe in the parents' ability to, to help their kids. And they just need to know that so that they can believe in themselves enough to keep going. And you coach parents, not, not the teenagers, right? Your, your clients are the parents. Yes. And that's so cool. And I love that you mentioned um, that, like, I feel like a huge tool that life coaching and managing your mind gives you is being willing to do things that you're not necessarily sure will work. Like that was something that in my past life before I had all this, I was hesitant, hesitant to take action unless I knew what it would create. But now because I'm willing to feel, um, you know, disappointed, I'm willing to feel, you know, failure. I'm willing to feel these negative emotions that before I would really resist, I'm willing to just move forward. I'm willing to take actions, evaluate, you know, gain what can be gained from it, move, move on, change it, try again. And I think that's just one of the hugest, you know, resiliency superpowers that you create is just being willing to feel it all and, and do it all. Be willing to be wrong, you know, just so many yeah. things like that. And I didn't know that was even possible. I know. So before, would you just have not done anything if you didn't feel? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would freeze, right? I would just, not gonna do it. yeah. Yeah. yeah so good. That's failing in a totally different way. It's kind of failing to show up for yourself and you never get to see really what you're capable of. Um, and in a way, I feel like when I, it, for myself, it's one thing, but I felt like there's no way I'm not going to do this because this is for my child, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it became a lot easier to apply these tools in that kind of situation because I was like, you know, I really need to be the best mom that I can be right now, even though I feel like I just want to go into a hole and hide forever. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to say that my daughter's doing great and mm. I'm proud of every single person in our family for just hanging in there, you know, and I mean, your your clients are going through something really hard right now if they're dealing with all the deployments. And I guarantee that everything that they're learning right now is going to serve them in the future with whatever challenges come up. Absolutely. Whatever. 
Yeah. And I love that you started to find this stuff like right at the beginning of your daughter's challenges and your family's challenges. Um, and that you were like tempted to not pursue it because that's similar to me that I really found all of this just months before my husband deployed that second time. And I was my, I was resisting it. I was like, I don't have time to like learn new things, try new things, you know, be, you know, become a different person or just, I just, I just didn't feel like I had time or space in my life because I was getting ready for a deployment and I had to like hunker down to get through it. And instead I just moved through it and went anyway and started to pursue it and started to learn things all anyway, even though I was like, oh, now's not the time. And it is what made all the difference. Just like you're saying with your experience with your daughter, how having the tools is what got you had, you probably would have survived it anyway, but it got you through it in such a productive way and in such an empowering, empowering way, it sounds like. So it's, it's, when you find these things, it often will feel like, oh, I don't have time for that. When you find, when you start to get excited about this stuff, but that's, if you've got anything going on, that's the moment, you know? Well, so what, what would you say was the biggest difference between your husband's first deployment and the second one? Um, I would say that the first time he left, we lost a year. And the second time, he left we we had we made like a beautiful year out of it like when we when you when you go into that survival mode and that like kind of hunkering down as I like to call it I feel like you're like okay I'll like I'll see you on the other side and then we like get through the year and that's how the first one really went for us and on the second one I became a life coach and I took my kids on trips and I got a nanny and I just did all these amazing things I didn't I didn't hunker down I like stood up taller and like just created this beautiful life we and we didn't have to lose a year like that was a huge huge gift that I feel like I was able to give myself and my family it was incredible that's why I just think these rules are I mean they are truly life-changing and it doesn't matter really who you are and what situation you're applying them to it just changes everything it opens everything up for you and it makes it makes everything doable and and handleable if that's a word figure outable Along the lines of a question that I asked you a little bit ago about kind of what would you say to those parents in their hardest moments and thinking of yourself in your hardest moment there, um, what would you say to military spouses kind of in their hardest deployment moment, thinking back to some of yours? I think I would say in general, you get to write the story. What do you want your story to be instead of poor me, this is happening to me? Like, what are you going to decide to be in this in this moment? Like, what kind of wife do you want to be? What kind of mom do you want to be? And it really has only to do with you and and how you decide to show up more so than it has to do with your husband not being there or the military doing these things that you feel are unfair or mm-hmm. um, that w- they weren't supposed to happen this way. Um, and so I would say just make it what you want it to be. You can you can do that. You don't have to wait for him to be back. So like you said, you lost a year the first deployment and then the next time you continue to live your life, mm-hmm. um, you didn't put your whole life on hold and that's really available 24 hours a day to us. And when you don't know that, you just do what you automatically are conditioned to do. But once you know that, it really, it can be a really great time if you want it. Yeah. My circumstance stayed exactly the same. He was deployed, right? Both scenarios, but I wrote a different story the second time. Like I, I, a story that I would tell myself was like, well, you know, the army decides it's, you know, it's up to the army. Like the army owns my husband. You know, I would tell different kind of deflating victim stories like that. 
And what I didn't realize I was doing is those mindsets would kind of default into all my decisions almost on a subconscious level that I would go to like, maybe we should do this. Oh, but the army gets to pick like without even really going through that whole sentence necessarily in my mind. And that's what keeps you kind of in that small, that small life when you're, when you're writing your story that way. But I wrote my story in a totally new way on that second deployment where I was like, everything's available to me, whether he's here or not, sky's the limit. I think um, a lot of relationships make it through through the stress of being in the military. And that doesn't have to be what happens. You know, it, mm-hmm. Just because everyone else is saying that, that doesn't have to be the way that you look at it. Um, I've had to kind of decide anorexia is not everything that I hear that it is. Yeah. Uh, and it that's the exact same thing with being a military spouse. It's not everything that everyone says it is. It's whatever you say it is. Decide, yeah. Your perception is not like the truth for everyone, but their perception is not the truth for you. It's just whatever you want it to be is what it is. Um, And I just think that freedom, like when your husband's deployed, knowing that you actually have that freedom because you don't feel free. (laughs) right? I mean, left to our own devices, we all feel kind of trapped by it when we're by ourselves doing it. We're like, I thought I was married. I thought I had a spouse. What happened? (laughs) What happened? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because of the way that you're subconscious. Like you said, you're kind of knee jerk way of thinking about it. um, The way you're conditioned to think about it. All that can be rerouted with a little bit of work takes effort but oh my gosh it's it's like such a great time to spend working on the way that you want to think about your circumstances exactly oh it's so good so, well thank you so much this has been amazing i've loved talking with you today jenny and getting all this awesome insight from you and i want to make sure that my listeners know how to find you if they're interested in your specialty so oh, if you could well, just tell you. us just yeah your contact info and and the best way to get a hold of you sure first of all thank you for having me on and i've really enjoyed talking to you and i appreciate you you being a military spouse right now because you're serving our country too. So, oh, so thank, thank you. you Pleasure. Yeah. And in order to get in touch with me, if you happen to know anyone who has a teen that is in recovery from anorexia or at the beginning of the diagnosis of anorexia, I help parents of anorexic teens. And my website is piecemealcoach.com. And it's peace as in P-E-A-C-E meal, M-E-A-L.com. Um, and my email is Jenny at piecemealcoach.com. And that's how they can contact me. Perfect. I will link to that in the show notes so that they can get that website there as well. And it was just wonderful speaking with you today and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. I also love when you subscribe, rate, and review it. If this podcast resonates with you and you are interested in learning more, please send an email to jesse at simplyresilient.net to schedule your free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember, when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.